Hey there. Welcome back to State Brother Radio. Haven't talked to you for a moment, and uh, I'm here with another guest from the community, Ed Gaskins, who is the executive director of Main Streets and Grove Hall. Grove Hall is a place that's familiar to many of us, and we're going to get him to talk to us about that and what special things are going on over there. Welcome, Ed. How are you? Everybody It's exciting to have you here. Uh, we were sort of kidding around, talking in the control room a few minutes ago, and I said I had a couple of tricky questions for you. Um, but before I get to the tricky questions, I want you to tell us a little bit about what Main Streets is for those in the folks in the community who don't know that. Okay. So Main Streets was a program uh, originally created uh, at the federal government level, and it was designed to prevent small Midwest and Western towns from becoming ghost towns. So the idea was that you'd put this money in to revitalize the quote-unquote Main Street of that town. Uh, Menino, Mayor Menino, former Mayor Menino, um, said, well, I'd like to take that money and see if I can't revitalize neighborhoods instead of towns. And so it became the first urban main street in the country. And so most, like, most of the towns have one main street for the entire town. We have 20. So ours go all the way from East Boston at the airport all the way up to West Roxbury. Based on the neighborhoods. Based on the neighborhoods. Wonderful. So tell us about Grove Hall main streets. Tell us what kinds of things we'll expect and what we have been getting out of Grove Hall main streets. So. The contract with the city, so although they're very different, right? So if you can imagine Chinatown is one main street, um, which is very different than West Roxbury, which is very different than the Ulster Brighton Main Street. So all the neighborhoods are very different. They're set up as independent 501c3. So they're all independent nonprofits. They all have their own board, their own executive director. So they're all functioning independently. The one thing that they have in common is uh, they get community development block grant money from the city of Boston, so there's a contract. And the contract basically says that we're going to work on the um, economic revitalization of that neighborhood using this Main Street approach, focused on economic revitalization, promoting the, the district, um, design work, and organizational work. Uh, so what you see is not only are the neighborhoods different, but the executive directors are different, the boards are different, and so what each one does in a neighborhood is different. So Grove Hall um, happens to be a neighborhood where, you know, we have, we have probably, if you look at the census data, we have one of the lower income uh, districts, whatever, of the 20. So the type of work that we might do above and beyond the economic revitalization might be different. So for example, when during COVID, we had a period when we were helping distribute about 3,000 um, cases of food a week. Uh, so that's not a typical thing that a Main Street would do, but we could do that because we have the flexibility to do whatever kind of needs there are. We try to focus on the economic development because that's important, community development. So you'll notice that we'll have like Christmas parties and stuff for kids, back to school events, um, and then we'll do like um, infrastructure stuff, do trees, sidewalks, um, streets, trash cans, bike racks, because all that infrastructure has to be there in order to maintain the community, um, to make it a nice place to stay, visit, shop. Okay, so who else in the community, in the Grove Hall community participates in Grove Hall Main Streets? Does it, is it just you, do you have a staff? 
How does that work? So um, it's, most Main Streets are just a single individual. It's uh, with the executive director. They're designed to be um, volunteer-based, so it's designed that you're supposed to get help from the volunteers in the community who share the interest in wanting to revitalize the community. Um, we do a lot of partnerships, so we try to partner with almost every nonprofit in the uh, in the neighborhood. So you know, we would partner with um, Prince Hall Masonic Lodge to do a Christmas party. We would partner with Freedom House to do financial literacy stuff for kids. But we try to be very active in partnering because they already have volunteers and stuff, and we just try to find ways to collaborate. And that's how we make up for the fact that we don't have staff. So what are the boundaries, the geographical boundaries of Grove Hall? So uh, for us, we try to start at like Morangay, if you were thinking on Blue Hill Avenue, the restaurant okay. Morangay. Okay. And we would go down as far as Harvard Street Neighborhood Health Center. And then Washington Street, where Washington Street intersects Blue Hill Avenue and um, Columbia Road. And then Warren Street, where Warren Street intersects Blue Hill Avenue and you know somewhere down there, Quincy Street, somewhere along that way. Mm -hmm. And then does another Main Streets community organization pick up where you leave off? Not exactly. So there's spaces between them. So for example, on one side of me would be the Roxbury Main Streets, uh, okay. Robert George. That has all the Nubian Square and, and that area. Okay. On the other side would be Upham's Corner, uh, Valeska. Uh, then on the other side would be uh, Four Corners. Uh, on the other side would be Eggleston Square. So those are all the Main Streets around me. So Within a mile, there's probably five different Main Streets. So at the Grove Hall Main Streets, you have a very exciting project going on right now that I'd like you to talk about, uh, Black Women Lead Project. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. <clears throat> um, we, well, I had this vision. Uh, I'm trying to make a long story short. But I had this vision of trying to uh, honor basically 100 black women leaders from the 1600s, 1700s to the present. So starting people like Phyllis Wheatley all the way up to Ianis Presley. And um, the goal of the project was to pick these, these women and um, have their portraits commissioned and then have their portraits placed on the banners that we plan to put on um, streetlights. So Mother Caroline Academy, which is in Grove Hall, um, when we were early, when we were working on the project, uh, went to them to have the um, students look at a list of names of these women and read their bios and stuff and uh, try to say who they, they would pick. And then when I got the list back, I realized that each class of girls had picked a different group of women. Mm -hmm. But I thought, I said, this is really great because I have these young women who are learning black history because they're learning all about these black women. And they're all from Boston, and they're all learning about different career options, and they're all learning about uh, resiliency, all the stuff that they've did, like the first black woman who bought property when she got released from slavery and whatnot. And so that, for me, was very inspirational because I said, um, this then could be the project. And that sort of formed it and shaped in terms of the criteria, so in terms of who we would include and who we wouldn't include. So the original challenge was trying to get funding for the project. Uh, I went to the normal foundations, and I said, nice project, we like it, somebody will fund it, but it's not us, because we don't actually, it doesn't really fit anywhere, like what is it? Place making, public art, like, what? Okay. <laughs> we don't really get what you're trying to do with these black okay. women. But teachers, teachers kept saying, oh, 
when you finish this, we want to have it for the classroom. Teachers kept saying, um, God, we don't think there's as many role models as for young boys as there are for girls. And so we would love the little girls to have all these women, doctors, lawyers, judges, mm -hmm. you know. And so that sort of was like this inspiration. So I went to the foundations and then what, I got a connection to the Craft Foundation. And uh, that was very exciting because all the other people sort of said no. And they asked, they said, um, is it still available? <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's still available. And so I was very excited uh, with Bob Craft, Josh Craft, those guys, you know, said this is something we want to be behind. Okay. And then I said stuff like, um, do you have to approve who we select? And they said, no, it's a community project. You pick who you want to pick. And uh, during the meeting with Bob, uh, he noticed that I had Ruth Babson's name spelled wrong. Babson. Yes. And I said, how would Bob Craft know the correct spelling of Ruth Babson? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. And then Josh... Uh, recommended uh, Edna Bino is one of the people that we should honor. And okay. I was like, how does he know her? I'm, and I'm thinking all this stuff in my head. Yeah. I found out that they had been on the board with Althea Harris, whatever. So I just, although it seemed strange at first that I was going out to them, but they obviously knew about the community and knew about these people far sure, more than I, what I had expected. And mm -hmm. I, I'm very appreciative. So they've been very supportive. And without them, obviously, the project would not have happened. That's wonderful. That's good to know. <clears throat> I have a couple of questions. Um, the actual photos which people will be looking at soon if they haven't seen them already, um, who painted those faces? Where did those faces come from? So to the, the short answer is Brianna Young, a black woman, and Kamali Hortonhill, um, a black man. And what had happened is I'd seen, I'd learned my lesson before when we tried to do uh, portraits of men. So prior to this, we did a very small project around black men. And we did like Mel King and uh, John O'Brien and um, Don Muhammad. And we used different kinds of artists. And then I noticed the, um, the variability of the style was really uh, problematic because it wasn't like the same person doing the same style. And so this time around, I felt like I needed a particular style that everybody could adhere to. And so I, I had a style that I liked. <clears throat> and then the challenge was trying to find the artist. It probably took me maybe a, a year to find the artist. And the, 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 the issue there was I needed uh, artists who, on one hand, were like more like graphic artists, that they would just design like a graphic arts project. Mm -hmm. But I needed them to actually have the, the skill of an artist in terms of being able to do artwork. So if you're going to do, um, so the, the technique we use is, uh, it's almost like if you have a photograph, it's almost like if you're tracing a photograph and you're trying to make it exactly like the photograph. <clears throat> so the reason, the reason why artists don't like that is because they want to do something more stylized, more unique, that reflects their individual style. Mm -hmm. They don't want to do something that looks like a tracing, like you've traced something. Right. So whether you say ego or whatever, but I needed it to not be a caricature. I needed it to be as, as exact as possible. But on the other hand, there's so many people, obviously when you start talking about the 1700s, who don't have photographs or the photographs are uh, black and white or they're faded or there's sketches and stuff or there's a sculpture. Now you need a real artist to be able to create that. Right. So it took me a while to find um, artists that had that ability. So I got those ability. Those are the those are the two artists that we selected, and they've done a great job. Now you you said you had um, <coughs> excuse me. You said you had um, one hundred women in mind, and I think in this particular collection you have about two hundred. Yeah. So how do we see the other? 800. 
<laughs> well, let me just explain what happened here. I, I, this is, I have to admit, this is kind of, this is like true confessions. Okay. So what happened was when I did this thing with the black women, everybody always named the same, like, ten. You know, I'd say, oh, Alma Lewis, Melina Cass, they would always name those, right? And they never really went beyond those. So okay. I thought, okay, since everybody knows the same ten, I'm going to do something crazy. I'm going to go a hundred. Okay. I don't know who these other hundred people are. Okay. So, um, so that, was, that was out of my lack of not knowing how many talented black women there were in Boston. So mm -hmm. I was still going by these other numbers. So, um, and then once I said I was going to go back to the 1700s, and I was including all different walks of life. So I told somebody, I said, I may have went to MIT, but I must not have been very good at math, because if I would have only picked <laughs> one black woman per year out of 300 years, I should have had at least 300 women. So um, that, became, that became more of a challenge. So when I got to the 100, and I was going over 100, 120, and I was sort of thinking, now how do I do this? And uh, as I was getting further away from 100, uh, I was having a real challenge. And the challenge was, um, I didn't want to select women based on like popularity or anything like that. I really wanted to pick people who I thought just, you met the criteria, you're in, not like okay. where you rank. Because uh, it was never supposed to be influence, power, because of the type of people who are on the list, right? Um, so there's people on the list that you'd never think is a powerful person. There's a woman on the list that had 50 foster children. There's a woman on the list who was 95 and, um, you know, she worked for the last 25 years as a foster grandparent. So anyway, so it was supposed to be people who demonstrated leadership in the broadest definition of what that could be in the community. And um, when I was about to do the banners, uh, I had a situation where um, I said, geez, I just don't want to put these banners up and have it be sort of uneventful. I, it just like go up one day and maybe there's 10 people would take a photo. So I wanted to have this reception at the State House. And um, that's when I... Uh, met our local state rep, Chris Worrell, and we talked about having this thing and, and working together. So at some point, I said, Chris, I'm not sure what we're going to do here, because I don't know how I'm going to cut the number back to 100 and whether I should try to just increase it to 200. And of course, uh, he said, you should increase it to 200. So the problem was is that I had only raised enough money to do 100. So now I was going to have to double the project. I was going to have to figure out how I was going to raise money to go from 100 to 200. And that was going to be a problem. But I felt like there was enough momentum and energy that I could do that. But I sort of stepped out on faith to try to do an additional 100 portraits. And so back to my question, the other 800, what's going to happen there? So there was 600, roughly, 200 out of the 600. And then so there's, let's say theoretically, there's 400 other images out there. Um, you may never see them because the way that we selected the people was on, it's like a, more like a rolling admissions basis. In okay. other words, it wasn't like, here's this pool of people, and we're going to go through, and we're going to pick these. It was more like, as soon as we found people who met the great we just included them. I'm going to stop you right there. Okay. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back.
come back. We were at a very important point uh, that Ed was making, and we want him to pick up where he left off. He said, what happened? <laughs> Nothing. Just a break for you to have an opportunity to see pictures of the women that we uh, are talking about right now. So um, in terms of selecting the people and, and whatnot, it was like I said, it was like a rolling admission. So some, as soon as somebody met the criteria, they were in. And uh, that's why I kept counting. And I went above 100. I didn't stop when he got to 100. So since then, um, what's happened is I've gotten access to databases, and I found even more historical people, and uh, people that people may not know about or have forgotten about. So now it's almost like a history project around the lost history of black women in Boston. So there was some people, and I was getting a taste of this before, where somebody would tell me about somebody, I would get like their, their obituaries, their program. And then they, that's when I'd find out their bio. If, so there wasn't on, it wasn't on Google, there was no Wikipedia. Right. And you'd find, oh, this person did this amazing thing, this person did this amazing thing. And I was like collecting all these stories. And so now I've gotten even more of those. But like I said, now it's uh, more historical people, more access to databases, stuff that most people will, will never know about. And I think you're having an opportunity to talk to the community about other women is going to be very helpful to you because a lot of us have not kept up with the documentation of our careers. Um, several people come to mind. Some of the staff, in fact, at Boston Neighborhood Network um, are quite impressive. There's a woman by the name of Natrice Gaskins hmm. who is an educator and a person with an incredible uh, communications and technical background. She, um, I think she has a PhD right now, and she is something that you, someone you might want to look up. We'll take them all. Okay, okay. <laughs> and you'll do the research? Who does the research? Well, we can do the research, but hopefully if they know something about it, they can send, they can something. send you some research. Well, they can send us something on it because we may not be able to find anything on the person. That's okay. the point. See, what you begin to realize also when you do the black, the, the history, both because of their women and both because they're black, that history isn't necessarily kind. So there's this one woman that's on the list, Mary Johnson, and um, so she's a hairdresser. You know, she had her, um, she, had a, she was a beautician, uh, she had her own hair care products, she had a beauty school, she had a wig manufacturing company, and when she went to register to vote, they recorded her as wife. As Wife. occupation, like that was, and so like all the other stuff was like was like gone, and and so you begin to realize like we have to like recover all this, and that's why I'm saying some of this part, and so if somebody like you mentioned this person, we're like, oh okay, great, because we might not ever know about them, and then they'll just be lost to history, um, and I don't want that to happen, and that's why there's two groups of people in particular I'm trying to find. Um, I'm trying to find um, if anybody in the audience <coughs> knows. Um, women who have something named after them. Buildings, this could be scholarships, anything. So for instance, that was one of the criteria for getting on the list. So for instance, if you think about it, like Frederica Williams, or Mildred Haley, or Anna Cole. Oh, they're or, already known. If they're already on the list. If you have somebody na something named after you, you're already known. I know, but they're not necessarily on the list because not, there's no database that says, here's a list of all the buildings in Boston that are named after somebody. Okay. Okay. So, so one of the lists is I'm trying to find anybody who knows anything that's named after anybody. It could be, like I said, it could be a scholarship that's named after somebody. 
uh, that's one group of people. And the second is um, women who've retired from the military and came back and served in the community. Um, so we'd like to get more of those people on the list. Even the fact that they were in the military and set forth with their lives and worked to keep us at a place where we were not threatened or protected from the threat. Uh, whether they came back here and participated in the current community or not, many of them need to be recognized as well. Yeah, so that's why I'm, I'm making that as a special call out to find who those okay. women are. If, in the other categories, buildings, uh, I mentioned, military mentioned, but if other people, uh, all, we're completely open. I can that's, think how it's, that's how we got as many names as we did. I can think of so many women. Um, I know, but isn't that great? Like, let's get, get them all. I thought, you know, I, I studied these pictures, um, and I recognized most, and I kept studying the names. I'm like, what, what, where's so-and-so, and where's so-and-so? And um, I wasn't sure if the submission period was closed or not, but it's good to know that it's not. Well, I'm planning, uh, I shouldn't say this, but my aspiration is to do another set for next year. Okay. So I'm working on the next 200 names. That's wonderful. Okay, so I would like to see a few in there. Um, educators come to mind, really. Not higher education, but education at the high school and middle school level. Uh, those people help shape some of the people that we have out here today in politics, in education, in the arts. Um, and we need to, if we can, if we have this vehicle, recognize those people for that. Um, I would like to make sure that many people were looked at uh, and determined. Uh, it'd be great if you worked with a committee. Think that'd be less weight on your shoulders? Well, there is a committee. You have one? Yes. That selects who should go in? They do. They just want to be anonymous because they're afraid that if their friends know that they didn't pick them, that they're going to be mad at them. So they You're said, right about that. They said, I don't want anybody <laughs> to be mad at me for not selecting them. So I said, okay. I'll yeah, they can stay anonymous. That's a wise thing to do because uh, they're right about that. People will be sort of ticked off. But the reality is, is how much have you contributed? What have you done? That should be the bar. And uh, a conversation probably needs to happen on each of these people. Now, one of the things that I saw was that you were looking for funds from, I always forget the name of this group. Oh, the GoFundMe? GoFundMe. <clears throat> and uh, what, what was your thinking about those funds? What, what did you want that to do? Well, so when I doubled the project from 100 to 200, then we had to um, figure out how we were going to pay for it. Mm -hmm. And so people said, you need to set up a GoFundMe campaign, which we did. Um, but I'm still working on other sources to, to pay for it. So I, I've raised enough money now that um, we should be starting the actual production soon. And um, so we'll go from there. When you say production, what the is the printing. production? So what's called fabricating. Next will be the making of the actual banners. And where do these banners go? The banners are going to hang on the streetlights along Blue Hill Avenue. That's not very long for all these people. It's going to be about a mile and a half. We're calling it the, uh, just like you have like the auto mile, it's going to be the honor mile. So it's going to be all honor, a mile of honoring black women. So but then you, you'll probably have to switch them out, though. Swap them out. Because a mile and a quarter for 200 and then maybe 300 or 400, 
You'll never be able to get them all up at one time. Well, I, I, can use, I can use another street. It doesn't have to say all on Blue this Hill. This is true. This is true. I can that's use probably, Warren. That's, in, that's part of That's great. That goes right down to, yeah, that's great. I think that um, people, you have an opportunity to get people really excited and really involved in this. Uh, once I started studying it last night, and you've answered some of those questions, um, I think that this is a chance for people to be recognized in a way that counts. Mm. People don't really feel that their contributions count or that when they stop doing it because they become too old to do it or whatever, they just disappear out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. Well, that was one of the things that was a little different because um, almost all the people, probably in the 90% of the people, are, um, are seniors. Right. And, uh, and, and one of the articles said, even the seniors from their nursing home are still writing uh, spirited letters. <laughs> okay, so listen, we're at a point where I'll have to invite you back okay. so we can continue this conversation. Okay. Thank you so much for being with us. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about the project. I can't wait till it goes up, and now people will know the story behind it. Yes, and viewers, thank you so much for being with us, and we look forward to your joining us again. Thank you, and good night. <laughs> Thank you.